I'm Carrie. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show hosted by two book nerd friends who talk to other book nerds, including authors, poets, librarians, booksellers, and readers, just to name a few. After three years, we've become a little more self-aware. We've realized that our show follows this format. We begin with my grumpy dullness and Amy's sometimes maddening enthusiasm. That is followed by a fun conversation with a new bookish friend about what they love about being a bookworm. Then we talk about what we're reading. And finally, we put our guest on the hot seat to answer some silly probing questions. We're glad you've joined us. This week, we speak with Cassie Moses, a mom from a small town in central Kentucky. Cassie grew up in eastern Kentucky at the Heinemann Settlement School, where her father was the administrator and where she met and befriended lots of Kentucky artists through the Appalachian Writers Workshop. Cassie began a book club several years ago with her three daughters, and it is offered a way for her to read books that they've selected and have special one-on-one time with each of them to discuss these books while doing something special, like going out for ice cream or to have lunch. We also spend a few minutes speaking with her oldest child, Riley, who shares some of the great books she's read with her mom. We discuss lots of books in this episode, and we may not have the authors for all of them while we're recording, but visit our website, perksofbeingabooklover.com. You will find all those titles and authors. But before we chat with Cassie and Riley, Amy, what's going on? We are back and we're refreshed. Uh, Yesterday, you and I had a great afternoon. We went to Carmichael's bookstore and spent some money because they had a fundraiser where they were donating all of their profits uh, from all three brick and mortar stores and their online sales just for the day. And all those profits would go to Eastern Kentucky flood relief. And so you and I went and bought a few books from our TBR. And then we headed over to a fun little place a block or two away where we did a planning session. I say planning session in air quotes because we did do some planning, but we also drank some wine and ate some cheese. Yeah, it was mostly wine and cheese. There was some planning. There was some planning. We had our computers out, you know. It looked like planning, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so this episode marks the official start of season seven. We are, you know, officially done with our hiatus. And we were busy. I am going to give everyone an abbreviated version of what we did on our hiatus, just like as if my first grade teacher asked me, what did you do on summer vacation? I went on vacation to the mountains of North Carolina. You and I did a road trip together. You helped me clean out my basement in exchange for food for lunch. And And it was a very good lunch. You know, (laughs) lunch is a sandwich, maybe a cheese stick, some chips. Uh, But you were like grilling chicken. I'm like, that's really dinner. So I, I feel like I definitely got compensated for the work that I did in your basement. Well, and you know that you must be a good friend because I let you down in my basement to see it, which is kind of an embarrassing thing. And you made me get rid of stuff, which was awesome. In fact, my husband this afternoon went down there and said how happy it made him to walk into the storage area in our basement. And it was so nice and clean. It brought him joy. And I said, oh, I'm so glad that it made you happy. He said, yeah, except for when it didn't make me happy when you had all that stuff in there. And I'm like, I know, but we're past that. Now it makes you happy. So let's forget about the before part. Anyway, I needed you to be my taskmaster. You you were my Marie Kondo. I guess. I was just like, what the heck is this? What, what are we doing with this? I feel like I asked that. What are we doing with this? And then the final thing we did was you and I did a little makeover of the children's room at the Rosewater Bookstore, which is a nonprofit bookstore that you and I volunteer at. Their children's room in our opinion, needed a little bit of help. And so mainly they just had not enough bookshelves and they needed a separate section for middle grade, which kind of drove me crazy that the middle grade was mixed in with the regular chapter books or it was mixed with YA. I got to use my laminator and make little labels. It was, it was, you, I, I enjoyed you it. love a project. I avoid projects like the plague. And you're like, hey, I see a problem that needs to be solved. And I'm like, Yeah, it it looks nicer. It's more organized. And now that I've done it, hopefully for a little while, we won't have any more projects. So, And on our road trip together, 
we actually got to meet Cassie, our guest yeah. today. She lives about 45 minutes outside Lexington, which is where you and I took a little trip together. And we had lunch with her and it was very nice because it's, I always find it fun when we meet some of our guests that we only get to talk to. Usually when you say, hey, I have an idea, I'm like, oh crap, Amy's got an idea. But in terms of meeting Cassie, that was one of your ideas that I was like, yes, I'm really glad. That was nice. I am not a social animal and I would not have instigated that on my own. So that was especially nice to meet her and have lunch. A couple things about Cassie, the small town she lives in is called Cynthiana, Kentucky, and that is where the creator of The Walking Dead grew up. And there's a big mural there that I think you took a picture of Mm -hmm. from The Walking Dead. The other cool thing about Cassie is that because she is originally from Hindman, Kentucky, that is sort of the epicenter of where all the Eastern Kentucky flooding has taken place. And she has really spearheaded a movement from her small town to send buses full of supplies down there. So I think this is the perfect episode for this week. And I think it's time that we talk to Cassie and Riley. Let's do it. Cassie Moses, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you all for inviting me. So Cassie, we love having book lovers. And it sounds like you and your three daughters are book lovers. So before we talk about the mother-daughter book club reading gig that you have going on. Tell us a little bit about you. It sounds like you have had a pretty interesting life before you stayed home to be with your children. I'm originally from Hindman, Kentucky, which is a tiny town in the mountains down in Knott County. Um, I grew up on the campus of the Hindman Settlement School, where my dad was the executive director for 35 years. So when, when he started that job, I was one. And um, so I've spent my life growing up on that campus. And then he actually worked there until he passed away about 10 years ago. So it was a huge part of my life. I grew up around artists and writers and performers, which was unusual to live in a town of 900 people. Um, Then went to Georgetown College, went on to the University of Kentucky, and did a master's program at the Patterson School for Diplomacy and International Commerce. I saw myself probably living in another country, possibly working for like CIA, FBI, and I didn't end up doing that. I just, my path kind of went a different direction, which was fine. I was an energy analyst and I don't, I really can't tell you what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did. It's still a joke in my family. Had kids and stayed home and found out FBI might've been easier (laughs) with three daughters, (laughs) but (laughs) less pay, but that's fine. I don't regret it at all. So tell us just a little bit about your reading life when you were growing up and more as an adult. What kind of reading interests did you have and have they changed over time? I would say they've changed some. I grew up with a mom and dad who loved to read. And so there were always books in our house. Um, I had complete access to the library. It was next to my dad's office, so Mm. I could walk there. So I remember spending summers, I mean, starting like nine and 10, I was allowed to walk there because he could watch me go the path (laughs) and go into, I mean, he could physically see me do it. Uh And I would just go and read. I think I started out Little House on the Prairie. I read all Nancy Drew. Uh, We didn't get lots of new books back then. So I think a lot of what I was reading was older. As I got older, of course, I had kind of breaks from reading as I was in college and graduate school and I was reading things for school. But I've always been drawn to Appalachian authors because Mm -hmm. I knew them. I thought that was normal that you grew up and knew Silas House and Jim Wayne Miller. And and one of my best friends, which is kind of strange, was the late author James Still. He died when he was 93. And I would have been 20, let's see, 25, I think. He lived at the settlement school. And my dad kind of took care of him as he got older. But He ate dinner at our house. I took him places once he couldn't drive. Uh, Again, I didn't know for a long time that that was really special and a big deal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I didn't know because it was my life until I got older and I would see people react. You know, if I'd said something about Mr. Steele and they they were like, what do you mean you watch Jeopardy with him? (laughs) I was like, well, he's really good at it. First of all, he's like the smartest (laughs) person ever. And he always beats me and I get really, really mad. Like I said, I just didn't know for a long time. But so I was drawn to those authors naturally because I knew some of them and I had an appreciation. So I, I loved those books and I could read and feel like 
oh, those, those people talk like me or they remind me of my mama or my cousins or something like that. So, hmm. um, but now I, I really love historical fiction. That's one of my favorites, but I read a little bit of everything now. I like young adult fiction. One of my daughters got me into some books written in verse, which mm-hmm. I would have never mm-hmm. read if she hadn't made me. So that was kind of fun. And you, you have three daughters. So you yes. all have formed a bit of an in-house reading club. So yes. so tell us a little bit about how that got started. Okay. Well, I made them do it is how it got started. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be real honest here. They love to read. And so as they were starting to get a little bit older, so this was four summers ago, I think I instituted it, 2019. They were reading less as they were getting older because they had devices and, you know, more distractions. And mm-hmm. I used to read out loud to them, of course, before they were able to read on their own. Then I continued that as they got older. And it was getting harder to find a book that was appropriate for a five-year age gap. So there's about five years between my oldest and my youngest. And we had read Tuck Everlasting, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. That was one of our favorites. But I was running out of things that were appropriate for all the different levels. So I was like, mm-hmm. hey, it's summer. You know, we're going to be home more. Let's do this book club. And you get to pick the book. You each pick what book you want to read. This is your thing. You read one. I'll read all three. And then I reeled them in by saying, and then we go out separately and we can go out to eat. Mm. We can, you know, we can do something fun. We live in a small town. We live in Cynthia. So we have, you know, a few restaurants, but I was like, we can go to Lexington. We can stay here, you know, however you want to do it. So that's how we started. And we've had a really good time. There's not been a lot of pushback. Um, There's been a little bit, you know, over time for sure. But um, I've always said, you know, you pick what you want to read and I'll read it too. And Mm -hmm. everything's on the table. So I don't censor what they read. I never have. I mean, I wouldn't pick Fifty Shades of Grey to discuss (laughs) with my 13-year-old by any means. But, you know, I'm kind of like, you you decide. And so each daughter picks their own book and you have a separate meeting with just that daughter and and of course that that was for me (laughs) they didn't see that at first but I wanted that one-on-one time Mm -hmm. with each of them have there been any books that overlapped that maybe one read the first year and then maybe the second read it a couple years later I'm trying to think I, I wrote down what we've read there's I think there's really only one and that was actually in 2020 when we were, of course, all at home. Only one time we've we've done one book together that I bought. And then we all read it, House in the Cerulean Sea. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it on my iBooks so that I could download it to everybody's iPads. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then we, w- we went out to eat, all of us together, and discussed that. And that was really fun. So that's probably the only one that everybody's read. So I, I, I don't think they've overlapped very much. I feel like they still could because I'll sometimes bring up, hey, this one was really good if you ever want to read it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of let them decide. So how old are your girls now? So my oldest is 18. Okay. My middle one is 16. And the baby is 13. So I'm, I'm curious what the difference was you saw in doing one where all of you did it together and went out. And then what you normally do, which is they each read a book separately and you read each of those books. Was the dynamic a lot different? I mean, I'm sure it would be because they're all together, but it's a totally different experience. But how would you compare? It was, they were both really great, but I realized after we did House in the Cerulean Sea all together, I preferred our one-on-one time. Hmm. And I think they did too. I mean, I wasn't doing it to prove a point. I just wanted to do something different because, you know, we were at home all the time and I was kind of looking for something to do that was a little bit different. But I think they prefer the one-on-one. Well, that's an interesting way to think about it because, you know, as a parent, when you have multiple children, I think you're often trying to figure out a way to spend quality time with each of them individually so that they feel you know, special and like they get a piece of you, right? And so I think that's an interesting perk of doing it that way. And then- It really is. Yeah. And then adding sort of the doing the something special along with it. Yes. And they haven't always been, I mean, again, we had limited options for a year. Right. So I remember with my oldest, she was learning to drive in 2020. 
and she loves some Chick-fil-A that's 30 minutes away from us. So we kind of had a ride along book club because we didn't have any place to go. And it was, oh. I was like, hey, why don't we get in the car? You can drive there. Then we'll get our food and switch so that you can eat. And we'll talk about the book on the way home. And that gave you at least an hour or more. Yes. Yeah. Uninterrupted time. Yes. You know, that's so funny. I've never done, you know, a book discussion like that, but I often found that having uncomfortable or hard conversations with my kids, the car was always the way to go because they couldn't get out. They couldn't get away from you. And you can't either. But I remember trying to tell my middle child a little bit about the birds and the bees one time that way. And he literally rolled the window down (laughs) and stuck his head out so that maybe he could hear me a little bit less. (laughs) Please let me out of here. (laughs) Anyway, that's great. (laughs) So so I'm curious when you're having these book discussions, you know, individual Mm -hmm. book reading groups with your daughters is it something where you both bring the book you've taken notes or how do you sort of balance because your reading experience with them you're kind of doing two things you're talking about the book but it's also quality time with your daughter so talk to us a little bit about that it depends on the kid honestly and it's changed over the years so for example lily who is my middle daughter who's 16 she and i actually met this morning for our book club for the summer I had finished the book and she had finished the book. And so we said we would go this morning to um, a local coffee house here called Main Cup that we love. And I actually printed out questions. I kind of asked her, I was like, you know, we have one copy of the book because we had shared it. I said, we'll take it with us. Do you just want to come up with our own or should I print something off? And she's like, oh, that's, you, can, you know, you can print something off. So we followed a guide on that. But then last summer, my younger daughter, so she would have been 12, we read The Diary of Anne Frank, which I had read years ago. Of course, it was her first time, which is, that's heavy stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did not do uh, any kind of guided question with that one. I let her sort of start it out because I wanted to see what parts of it she wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. because I saw it completely differently (laughs) reading it at 44 than I did when I was, you know, 11 or 12 like her. I just kind of decide by kid and mm-hmm. how we're feeling about it. I don't really have a a set guide of rules. It's our my husband's joke is the only rule about book club is you can't talk about book club. <laughs> you know, so. so I know for our adult book club, you know, we always meet on the third Thursday night of every month. Okay. And and we know that like, okay, that's when book club is. And so you know ahead of time and you try to make sure you have the book read by then. How does it work with you all? Do you have a set time that you know that you have to have it done? I'm thinking summer sometimes can just be so like a flowy, loosey-goosey. For me, I'm not as much of a, like a strict, unless I have it on my calendar. It would just kind of, you know, not happen if I just like let things go. So how does it work for you all? So far, we haven't, I haven't really set like timelines, like, oh, we have to have it done by this time or that time. As soon as we pick out the books, which I generally try to do, right when school's out because like you said I feel like if we wait I'll look up and it's August mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't have done it and I don't want to stop like I, I feel like if we took a break we would never do it again and mm-hmm. especially with my oldest getting ready to go to college you know maybe this is the last summer she participates I'm still going to try to to make her do it but <laughs> you know we'll see if she wants me to cook for her next summer I guess she'll read a book but, um, <laughs> Like get me. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I, we haven't really had any issues with that. I, I know, like, my middle daughter, she finished hers first, which is unusual. I thought she would be the last one, but she had some free time. She actually, uh, we both work at a local bookstore. I work one day a week, and then in the summer, I gave her my hours because she kind of worked there filling in. So she had a slow day, so she read most of her book that day. And then the other two know we had our meeting today. So my oldest finished her book last night. I'm actually the one behind. They've all read all their books. Because <laughs> you're reading three, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I get sidetracked, you know, with other books. So my youngest daughter, I would say she cheated a little bit. Not not totally, because I'm like, it can't be a book you've already read. That's one rule. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something you can't say, oh, I read this in December and I want to add it to book club. So I'm done. 
they can, they're not allowed to do that. And, and I'm not allowed to either. I'm not allowed to pick something and suggest it if I've already read it. That's pretty much the main rule. But she read a book right at the end of May that she loved. We'd, we picked out a different book and she said, no, I don't want to do that one. I really want you to read this because I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it is called Lies We Tell Ourselves. I've read a little bit. It's tough. It's going to be an interesting conversation because it's set when um, schools were being uh, integrated. Oh, uh-huh. that's the very first part of it. And it's these four African-American children going to school. They're in high school and it's their first day in an integrated school and the way they're treated. And I, I've only read like 20 pages and I was already like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is making me so upset. <laughs> Um, Robin Talley, I think, is the author. Does that yes, sound right? It, okay. It does. Yes. So she's already finished it and she just happened to read it right. I think it was just like the day after school was out, she started it. It was like, Mom, I've changed my mind. This is the book. And I said, Have you read it? She said, Well, I just finished it last night. So, so, so that was close enough. Turn. Close enough. It, yeah. It made it under the wire. <laughs> So do you try to do three books in a summer, one for each month, or because it's just whenever they finish and you finish, it, it can be kind of up in the air? They do one book per summer. Okay. And then it usually leads to, I know like my middle daughter, after we talked today, she said, oh, there's this other book I think you should read. So I put it on my list. We might not sit down and have an official meeting, but I'm sure I'll ask her some questions about it because she's a lot smarter than me. So I'll ask her about it when I read it. So do your daughters have similar reading tastes or do they like different genres from one another? One thing that they all have in common is they all like fantasy, Mm -hmm. but that's not the only thing they read. So like my oldest daughter, she really loves mythology and we've actually done several books. I think probably all of her books have some level of mythology. The first one we read together was called Lovely War. It's a fantastic book. I never would have heard of it or read it, but it is historical fiction with mythology. Sounds really, really weird, but it's beautiful. It's a great book. Julie Berry. Okay. And again, I was just trying to, I think she was the one that was the most resistant when we started this. So she would have been 14, you know, Mm -hmm. so that makes Mm -hmm. sense. (laughs) And I was suggesting, because she, I don't think she was going to pick one out well, I know you, I, I like mythology. And I said, well, I like historical fiction. She was like, no. Mm-hmm. And I said, how about this book, which is both. Mm. <laughs> and then we both just loved it. Like it's in her room. Nobody's allowed to borrow it. We're like that too with our books. We're very, yeah. it's ours. We keep it. Like my oldest and I have books that are the same, but mine are mine and hers are hers. It's just how it is. <laughs> well, how did you find out about that book? I think I just was Googling oh, really historical like fiction and mythology. In something that would overlap. And that came up and I was like, oh, that actually sounds really good. So hmm. my younger one likes mythology too, but probably not as much. And then my middle one, she's pretty varied. She's the one that introduced me to Elizabeth Acevedo. Mm. Poet X was our first book that we yeah. read together. She had read it once and then she reread it, I feel like. So maybe we did break our rules. I don't know. Again, the rules are there aren't really any. But, <laughs> but she said, you have to read this. And I was like, I mean, I like poetry and I like to read, but I'd never thought about reading an actual book set completely in verse. Mm-hmm. But it's fantastic. And now mm-hmm. I've read all of Elizabeth Acevedo's books and I love her. She's one of my favorites. And, what and, you, and I have to know what your youngest is reading. Let's see, so she's the one that read Lies We Tell Ourselves oh, this okay. year. Okay, But her first book was, and I suggested it because she just had no idea, was um, by Silas House, Same Son Here. Oh, which I is love that book. Letters. Yes. yes. And what's so cool. So I had taken the other two out for their book club and we got to the end of the summer and I totally messed up. So Bailey, my youngest, we hadn't had our book club. It was August and she let me know. And I was like, I'm going to make this up to you. I don't know how, but we're going to, we're going to get this done. And I guess we'd been in school like a week or two and I saw that Silas was going to be Lexington with because it's it's co-authored mm-hmm. and I cannot remember Neela Baswani. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was going to say I remembered her first name but I didn't want to mispronounce her last name. And so he was doing a talk about it and it was open to the public and then she was just going to be there via Zoom I think or Skype. And so I didn't tell Bailey. I just showed up at school and I got I signed her out. 
And she said, mom, she said, oh my God, are we moving? I have no idea where that came from. We've never moved since she's been alive. And I said, no, no. And nobody's sick and nobody died. Nothing bad happened because I've never taken her out of school for anything. I'm, you know, unless she's sick. And so I said, we're going to go and do our book club and we're going to go see Silas. We're going to hear him talk about it. And then hopefully, you know, if it's not too crazy, we can go up and, you know, give him a hug and see how he's doing. So we got to do all of those things. And it was just so much fun. So then I was in major trouble with the other two because <laughs> Bailey's was way cooler. And my oldest <laughs> adores Silas House. And she said, I cannot believe you didn't come and get me out of school. And I said, well, have you read Same Son here? No. And I was like, well, then you can't come. Sorry. <laughs> can't help it. That is a fantastic book. I love oh, that so book good. between those so two kids. They're pen pals, one yes. in Kentucky and one in New York City. It was just fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, like I said, she did Diary of Anne Frank. She read a, a fantasy book called The Kingdom of Bach about Mozart and his sister. Oh. Hmm. And that was pretty good. It had an element of fantasy in it, too. Is fantasy something that you read much of, like as a kid no, or even in adulthood? None. They've introduced you to some new stuff. Totally. And it's made me be much more open-minded. One of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years uh, came out a couple of months ago. It's called A River Enchanted. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the author of that either, but read it because it's amazing. Rebecca Ross. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Yes, I wouldn't have read those books and it's definitely opened my mind to, oh, just because it has an element of fantasy, that doesn't mean I won't like it. I should try it. Has there been a book that so far has inspired the best discussion? But is there one in your mind that was like, yes, that was just really sure. awesome? Um, the Firekeeper's Daughter <gasps> by Angeline. I cannot say her last name either. And I can't, I hate to mispronounce. It starts with a B. It's her first book, I believe. It came out last year. That's right. the one that has the really pretty cover. Yes, a gorgeous cover. It's um and Angeline... Boulay. I, I think that's how you say it. We'll say that. It there was a lot going on in that book, and we both loved it. And when I put on my Instagram, you know how you can like mention authors, and sometimes they see it, and sometimes they don't. Well, she saw it, and she was like, "Cassie, when is your book club meeting?" And we had already done our discussion, but she was just so nice. She she was like, "I love that you read this with your daughter, and if you have questions and." I was just kind of stunned. You know, I was like fangirling, like, oh my goodness, thank you for talking to me. <laughs> it's very exciting when authors respond to you. Oh, it was just Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It was so neat. But yeah, we had a great discussion because um, there's some pretty heavy topics. Now, she's a Native American author. Yes. Is that one of the themes in the book? Because I've not read that one. Yes, it is. And okay. it's this, a very strong female character. Um, I mean, it deals with drug use. They mentioned sexual assault. It's a, it's a lot of very heavy topics. And my daughter was 15 when she read it. And again, I think I read, I finished it before she did. And I said, I just want to warn you, there are some things in this that are pretty heavy. It's not graphic, but if you get to a part that's, you know, too much, make sure you tell me. Mm-hmm. And and she was okay with it, but we did have, we had a really good discussion. I would I would say that's probably one of my favorite ones. That we've had. And same same son here was probably my favorite one with my youngest. As you're talking, it kind of makes me think, you know, there's certain topics that you want to talk about with your kids, you know, heavy topics yes. sometimes. But sometimes it seems like there's a hard entryway to get into those topics. Yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there is. And it yes. seems like this is a really great way, a gate into those things that you really need to talk to your kids about and aren't sure how to do it. I would agree. And I really saw that in the one that we did together, House in the Cerulean Sea. I mean, I think that my kids, and I'm sure you all have seen this too, their their minds are just so much more open mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's the world we live in, thank goodness. And in my home, that's how it's been anyway. And that's how I was raised, even mm-hmm. in a rural area without any diversity. That's just how my home was, is that we love and accept all. And it doesn't matter who you love or what you do or how you worship or what color your skin is, you know, you were welcome in, in our home. And that's how my home is too. And we were reading House in the Cerulean Sea and it deals like two of the main characters are gay and 
we were talking about that. And I, I remember I said something and just like, it, it wasn't even on their radar, you know, like something I wanted to talk about with them mm-hmm. that was just normal. Mm-hmm. And that, that made me happy. That made me feel like, okay, we didn't actually have to have a discussion because they're teaching me lessons on open-mindedness and acceptance. And it was just interesting because their ages, you know, were, I think my youngest was only like 10, maybe when mm-hmm. we read that 10 or 11. And I didn't know if she would think it was awkward. And of course she didn't, she was fine with it. But it was just interesting to have, like you said, sometimes there's discussions you don't know you need to have or things you don't know you need to learn. And mm-hmm. some of that has happened through our discussions with books for me. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned some of the challenges. What would you say for you having to read three different books? You know, I would imagine sometimes keeping up with the reading. Are, are there yes. any other challenges that you found buy-in, I would assume, from your child? Not really. I mean, like I said, the the first year when I proposed it, it was definitely met with, ugh, <laughs> mom's going to make us like have homework Rude. in the summer. Oh my gosh. Which was funny because they used to look at our library summer reading program. It was like a blood sport. I mean, they wanted, <laughs> they wanted the prizes. It was like, oh. And then I was on the library board for four years and they weren't allowed to win prizes. That was the worst. Oh. Come on, people. This is not a drug cartel. <laughs> they should be able to win prizes. They're reading way more than anyone else. But right. anyway, it was fine. Yeah, it was the ages. So it was the pushback of, oh, is this going to be really boring? You know, mm-hmm. what's mom going to make us talk about? Is she going to make us talk about our feelings and all this stuff? <laughs> and, but then it was fine because, you know, it's it's very casual. And we might eat pizza or, you know, we might drink tea or eat dessert. My middle one's like, it needs to involve sugar. So that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. I can do that. Well, now we're we're going to put Riley in the hot seat. Okay. Hi. Hi. Tell us a little bit about you. Which sister of the three sisters are you? I am the oldest. So I'm 21 months older than the middle and about five years older than the youngest. Okay. And so I think, did you just graduate high school? I did. Yes. I Congratulations. And are you doing something fun in the fall? Are you, are you going to college or doing something else? Yes. I'm attending the University of Kentucky. I have not decided a major yet, but time for that. So we want to talk to you a little bit about the book club that you do with your mom. When she first suggested it four years ago, what did you think? Um, I was kind of like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, I love reading on my own time, but there was something about it, you know, like, oh, I'd be reading the same book as she would, and I'd probably have a time limit to read it, and I didn't want to be rushed, and I wanted to enjoy it. And now I've gotten used to it. You know, each summer she'll be like, all right, time to pick out a book for book club. And I just have to, to roll with it, you know, but I've really gotten to enjoy it. With picking out the books, she talked about one of you really enjoys mythology. Are you the one who loves mythology? Okay. So is that something that mythology and fantasy that you always tend to gravitate towards? And so since you're picking a book for sheer enjoyment, that's, that's kind of where you land. Absolutely. It all started when I read the Percy Jackson series when Mm -hmm. I was in elementary school. And I've always loved that fantasy aspect and learning about other cultures outside of my own and just finding out, you know, what like gods and goddesses and like all those creatures and stuff like that. And it's always interested me. So I definitely do lean more towards the fantasy mythology kind of aspect. What are some books that you you know, your mom mentioned Lovely War. Is that one of the ones that the two of you all oh, read? Yes. That's actually on my personal bookshelf because I love it so much. <laughs> it was probably my second favorite that we read. And then last year we read Ariadne, which was a Greek tale. And I liked that one too, but I did prefer Lovely War out of okay. the four books that we've read. And what are you reading this year? We are reading a book. It is an Indian tale. It's called Kaiki. It is a spin on a very long epic, except instead of focusing on the kind of hero of the epic, um, it focuses more on the woman who's portrayed as the villain and kind of gives her her own story and her own background. And it was very interesting to read. Now, how did you pick that? How did you find out about that book? 
my mom picked it. She was scrolling through, I think, Amazon, and we were just kind of looking at book descriptions because we were looking at, like, maybe a mystery and then maybe a thriller, and then she saw it and was like, this one's mythology, and I was like, you know what? Let's read it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because you say that one's based on an Indian epic. So, again, sort of like yes. some mythology in there. Mm-hmm. And there are so many books out right now that are based in different cultural mythologies. And so I love it that you did one that was Indian instead of what we think of as more like, you know, the Greek and the Roman that we always learn about. That's great. So what have been some of the best things and some of the kind of like the not so great things about doing this sort of book club with your mom? So I definitely think we have very similar interest in books, but we do vary in some aspects. And I think it's nice to read something that we both enjoy because, you know, I usually have my own set of books and she has hers. But when we pick a book together, I'm like, okay, her interests really aren't as different as mine are. I do enjoy that I've read books that I probably would not pick out on my own time. I've had someone else there with me to be like, oh, you know what? This one looks interesting. Why don't we read this one? And I'm just kind of like, you know, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, Like I said, I've loved the ones that we've read so far over the past four years. The only negative thing that I can think of is sometimes I feel like I'm on a a time schedule. I need to read it before she reads it or I need to read it after she reads it in a certain time, even though we really have the entire summer Mm -hmm. to read it and then discuss it. My other question was, with this one, with your mom doing each one individually with each daughter, how has that been as opposed to the one where you did it all together? I definitely prefer the one where we do each, like she'll pick a book with my sisters and the one with me. Because while my sisters and I all do share the same, we're all, you know, big mythology buffs and like fantasy and stuff like that. But then, you know, there are some aspects in a book for an 18 year old that my 13 year old sister shouldn't read or she's too young to understand. Mm -hmm. And I prefer it because, you know, I have that level of maturity and there are things that I can read and discuss with my mom that I probably couldn't read and discuss with my younger sister. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your experience with, with your book club. We appreciate you popping on here to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. Now that we've talked to both Cassie and Riley, I think it's a good time for us to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we're reading. We are back with Cassie Moses and with Carrie. Carrie, what have you been reading? When I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about it without giving too much away because I'm talking about our July book club book, Amy. So the book that our book club is going to talk about is The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. So this is the story of Frida. So she's a woman whose husband leaves her for another woman shortly after Frida has given birth to their only child, a daughter. So it's hard enough being in the postpartum period, but to be flung into single motherhood unexpectedly is a nightmare. And her parents do not live close by, and she's a very quiet person. So she doesn't have tons of friends. At one point in the story, this is early in the story, Frida, again, she's been thrown into single motherhood. She had to go get a a full-time job. She leaves her infant daughter home alone for about two hours while she runs to work to get a file. And while she's there, she gets distracted. So what she intended to be like 20 minutes of grabbing this particular file turns into two hours. And, you know, the society that she lives in has gone a little bit bananas about reporting parents for doing things that you know, society thinks parents shouldn't do. So a neighbor calls the authorities on Frida and she gets hauled in by officials. So in this society, someone, we don't know who, but someone has decided the way parents, specifically mothers, should be, act, think, and feel. And Frida doesn't really meet these arbitrary benchmarks of what a mother should be. So as the story progresses, she has to go through court dates and supervised visits. And and then it, it just snowballs and it gets worse and worse. And you feel like you were thrown into a little bit of like a handmaid's tale 
type society. So I, I won't say any more than that, but I will tell you that this book, thankfully, is I think would be ideal for a book club to talk about because it really forces readers to think about what makes a, I'm putting this in air quotes, a good mother <laughs> and who gets to determine that and why and whether they should have this important role in determining what a good mother is to begin with. So Frida makes dumb mistakes. And and honestly, she's she's a character that, you know, you go back and forth. She's not a wholly sympathetic character. But I think that makes her real because none of us are perfect people. And there are some people who are, you know, they're not super likable people, but that doesn't mean they're not decent parents. And, you know, she loves her daughter. She just made, in this particular situation, one bad choice. So this book is about motherhood and how society has all kinds of opinions about mothers and ideals for them that men absolutely do not have to live up to. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. It was not like a relaxing read. It, it felt kind of stressful to read it, but I think it brings up some really good issues that I think, you know, if, if you're a mom, if you're a woman, it makes you think about even some of the perceptions and the stereotypes that you may have within yourself about other mothers. So I would recommend it. it it's a thoughtful book. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about my book now that you've talked about that book. First, I want to know what Cassie's reading. What's yes. Cassie reading? I'm trying to finish Lies We Tell Ourselves so that Bailey and I can talk about it so I don't get in trouble. So that's what I'm, I'm reading now. But, but one that I finished recently. Um, I'm not sure if you all have read the book Woman of Troublesome Creek. And I just read the sequel. The book oh, okay. Fantastic. I won't lie. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about the second one because I really, really love the first one. Yeah. And it's just as powerful and beautiful. And I just, I loved everything about it. It's, again, I, it's about the book Woman's Daughter. It's actually a daughter that she adopts, who is also some of the blue people from Eastern Kentucky. Which is interesting because I grew up on Troublesome Creek. Like Did that you? Is a real, yes, that's a, a real place. Creek. It's not a real town. So it's okay. called Troublesome Creek in the book, but it could be Hindman just as okay. easy. It could be exactly where I grew up. But like my house was along Troublesome Creek. It really was troublesome. So when it would flood, <laughs> it would come up and take over. And I've had to sleep in my dad's office because of it and all kinds of fun things. Wow. But uh, so that's why I was drawn to the first one and then you know I was really excited to read the second book and it's just uh, it's great the main character's name is Honey Honey Lovett which hmm. I think is a great name and even if you don't have any idea about the the Pack Horse Librarians or Eastern Kentucky I, I just highly recommend starting with the Book Woman of Troublesome Creek and then also read the Book Woman's Daughter because it's just it was fantastic. Do you feel like you need to have read the first one to read the second one? Yes. Okay. I do. It's definitely a continuation of the first story that it would is. benefit it is. from. I mean, mm -hmm. you could pick it up if you had no idea and it would be, it would be fine, but it's just, I think the experience is richer mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you've read the first one. And so. is Honey, is she a child or an adult? She is 17. And that's, a lot of it hinges on the fact that she's getting ready to be an adult. Mm. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Well, Amy, you, you, you built it up. You said yes, the excited. book. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you have to say? How does your book relate to my book? So I read a book called I'll Show Myself Out Essays on Midlife and Motherhood by Jesse mm. Klein. Ah. Jesse Klein is a comedy writer who's worked on Saturday Night Live and the, the comedy series Inside Amy Schumer. I think she does some stand up as well, but she narrates this book and it's a, it's a very compelling read. So this book came onto my radar recently because I heard an interview with Jesse Klein on Terry Gross's Fresh Air about a month or so ago um, talking about this new book and I was intrigued by her and I could relate to a lot of what she talked about as far as her journey through motherhood and sometimes how we expect mothers to be superhuman in many ways and expect much more of mothers than we do fathers. But at that same time, I was talking to the member of our book club who chose the, the School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. 
And I thought that perhaps they would make a good pairing. And I haven't mm-hmm. read The School for Good Mothers yet, but there was just something about the fact that this mother, who you say is not always a sympathetic character, but how she's being judged for a lapse in judgment. And we all make lapses in judgment at sometimes. Anyway, I just thought that they might make a good pairing. Jessie Klein had her first child fairly late in life. Uh, She's in her 40s. And I think actually that's the only child she's going to have. But the premise of this book is that motherhood is just like the classic hero's journey. And a hero's journey is a premise in mythology where the hero goes on an adventure, has to overcome all sorts of odds, is finally victorious, and then comes home a changed or transformed person. And so in this book, she she follows her story from the birth of her only child to now when he is five. And while the author isn't in the same period of mothering that I am, because all of my children are young adults now, I can totally remember how it felt. It was exhilarating to be with this little human that you were so in love with, but how you also felt completely clueless, especially with your first about how to be a parent and how you were forever questioning yourself. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to scar this child for life? What's the right thing to do? And how sometimes it just feels like it can be a totally thankless job. Now, there were a few things that I thought could have been a little stronger about the book. I wish that she had connected the dots with that comparison between the hero's journey and motherhood a little bit more strongly. Like, I really want her to hit me over the head with it because (laughs) that's what moms like to hear, right? That we're heroes. Um, But she was a little more loose with it. But I still enjoyed it. The other thing that I would say is a slight asterisk to this book is that the author has a lot of help raising her child. I mean, a lot of help. She had a nanny. She had doulas. She had night nurses when her baby was an infant. So, I mean, she had some privilege, but she totally acknowledges this. And I don't think that it necessarily weakens her argument at all. But I admit, as someone who didn't have those things and was a stay-at-home mom, I did roll my eyes (laughs) at times. But maybe that's sour grapes on my part because, you know, I do wish that I could have had a night nurse so that I could sleep through the night. Right? Who doesn't? So I did have those two issues with it, but overall, this book was very enjoyable, and anyone who has been a mother can relate to some portions of her stories. Her essays are humorous, yet poignant, and it makes for a really good audiobook experience. But now I'm anxious to read The School for Good Mothers to see if it really does have some... Yeah, with the connections. Yeah, Yeah. the connections there. But this one is definitely more fun, I think. She talks about some, at times, dark things and just, you know, you can kind of feel that desperation you feel with like a newborn. But she's also very funny. And so I think it's definitely lighter than the book that you read, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. The the School for Good Mothers is, is definitely more like dystopian i mean it's it's like worst case scenario although sometimes the way our country is going i think well we're almost there so (laughs) because i had actually picked up the school for good mothers in the bookstore one day and i thought i want to read this but also don't want to read this yeah (laughs) right now like i read it because i know i need to read this but it was like oh i you know, but honestly, isn't that sometimes how motherhood is? Like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. And so here I go. (laughs) So, well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Cassie's going to answer her three and third degree. We are back with Cassie Moses, and she is going to answer her questions. So number one, you grew up in a pretty interesting place in Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about what made it so unique. Uh, Well, I was lucky enough to grow up um, on the campus of the Hindman Settlement School, which is one of the oldest rural settlement schools in the nation. And I believe one of the only one that's still functioning um, and still providing educational opportunities to the region. So my dad came there as... Uh, one of their directors. He was only about 28, 29 when he got the position. I was one. We lived there for several years before we built our own house. So I grew up on the campus and it was started as a rural settlement school. So there weren't, you know, there were one room schools and this was 1902. So people, you know, came in horseback or however they could get their kids and there weren't many educational opportunities. And so it was started as like a two week camp. And then the residents just they wanted this. They wanted their kids to learn how to read. And it was more than education. They brought in nurses and addressed healthcare issues and farming and 
just lots of different things. And so that's how the Hyman Settlement School started in 1902. And it evolved into once there was a public school system that was set up there, it was so rural, you couldn't get buses out to all the places. So the kids lived at the Hyman Settlement School and they crossed the bridge, literally crossed the creek and went to the um, public high school. Hmm. And so it was a boarding program up until 1977 when my dad took over. There were only two students left. And at this point, the county had to provide that transportation. And so they were phasing that out. And so those students actually, one didn't have any place to go. And so he moved in with us and he's still part of my family. Oh, (laughs) wow. Didn't adopt him because he was going to turn 18, but he became part of our family and still is. And so then it, the settlement changed over the years. It kind of, as my dad would say when he was alive, it had to change to meet the needs of the current community. So some of the things, once they they phased that out, uh, had a, the Appalachian Writers Workshop, which is really well known now throughout the mm-hmm. region. It still goes on. This will be, if I'm 45, this is the 45th year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I keep up with oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> for years, they did a family folk week. And that's been phased out a little bit for different reasons they're trying to get it going again but that was a week where people would come from all over actually and learn about music and um, food and arts and crafts and it was just a it was what its title said a family folk week folk dancing it was my favorite week of the year growing up I loved it and then also a school for um, dyslexic children and they run a summer school each summer, which I think is five weeks now, where kids come in and do intense tutoring to catch up on their reading and math mm-hmm. so they can be ready to go for the coming school year. So just things like that. It just keeps evolving and changing. Now, I'm not as connected as I used to be after my dad passed away, but I, I still consider it my home. Mm-hmm. I always will. I knew that the Heinemann Settlement School had the Appalachian Writers Workshop that is very well known. I mean, I think that's how Silas House got his. It is. I, re- his start. I remember. I remember when he first came. He like camped out, and now I'm like, Dad, how did we let Silas House camp out by the creek? <laughs> what were you thinking? And of course, Silas would just crack up about that now. But yes, yeah, so I remember. I remember that because I was a teenager. It's kind of neat to to think back about all the people that have been there and what it yeah. means to them, and that it's wow. still important. Okay, so question number two, you enjoy cooking, as do I, and you have shared your cooking skills with other people during the COVID lockdown. So tell us about this yes. and, and about your pizza crust. What about pizza crust? So, um, so I, lo- I love to cook, and I've been making my own pizza crust for years. And of course, you know, we're all at home, and things got a little weird and crazy after a while. And my <laughs> husband was actually the first doctor in Kentucky who had to go into quarantine Oh wow! here in little old Cynthia, which is not what we expected at all. Like the first case was named on a Friday and my husband comes home and gives this lecture to our kids about how, you know, everything's going to be fine. And yes, it's in Kentucky, but it was always going to be, but it's not in Cynthia and it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. And 24 hours later, he said, I need to tell you something. I'm pretty sure I've been treating COVID patients all week. And I was like, no, you have not. Oh my gosh. But he had been. And he had was really, really exposed. He never got sick. We don't know how. But that's how our our COVID lockdown started. He was locked down. And everything in Cynthia shut down March 6, 2020. So things have been a little stressful. So this was like a month later. And you know, we were getting used to being home and, and and cooking at home was fine with me. But I had joked around with one of my friends, probably on social media that, you know, because people were like doing things they wouldn't normally do and like, oh, here's how you like repaint your bicycle or here's how you do this, <laughs> you know, just like, like, why would you care about that? But suddenly mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is great. I was making pizza for dinner. And so I don't have many fancy clothes, but I have a really nice off the shoulder black dress and I put it on and I put on full makeup and I put my hair up. <laughs> And I put my iPad on the counter. It was not high tech at all. And pearls. And I told the girls, I was like, it's going to be weird in the kitchen. So don't come here. And so I filmed my whole, the whole thing, me making pizza crust, explaining how you could do it at home. And I, and I put it on 
Facebook and, and it was pretty funny. It was a hit. It's if you know me, I have a great sense of humor. And so everybody was like, what's next? And I was like, well, I really only have one more dress and I don't know if it's this fits. Are you, and my husband came home from work in the middle of it, had no idea. And I was like, I need you to get out of my screen. He was like, oh, goodness. She's, oh, she's finally gone. She's you know, it. that quarantine was, was hard fun. on everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, but it was fun. It just kind of gave a moment of levity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That we needed, especially in my house, because it was very intense. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And the things that my husband was seeing and doing, and yeah. it was just hard. And so I think mentally I was trying to show my kids to, I'm not making a joke of any of it. This is very serious. But we also, we're okay and we're very fortunate. We're locked down, and I use air quotes for that, in a really nice house with an mm-hmm. acre and a quarter around us. And we're not hungry and we're not cold. And, you know, we have everything we need. Right. So, you know, it made some people laugh. Yeah. And some people learned how to make pizza crust. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm going to look oh. for this recipe later. I'm going to friend you on Facebook and yeah, <laughs> find this recipe. Funny. So. It's all right. Question three. You are a Downton Abbey fan. Why do you I like know. it? Tell us a favorite character and about the Downton Abbey 10 course event you went to. Yes, that was crazy. So I love Downton Abbey. Just, I don't know. I think because it's so extravagant and different than anything that I've ever lived or known. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, always at a 10. I love that. And it's historical. I love the outfits. I love the stories. I love all of it. So in terms of characters, I really love, of course, the Dowager Countess. I feel like if my mamma Mildred could have been a Dowager Countess, like maybe, like, but maybe one that cussed, you know, like that she might have fit in there um, and let just rolled with an iron fist but mm-hmm. she's probably my favorite because she's so when you start watching it you think wow she's just she doesn't have a heart but she does because she's seen so much she's right. lived so much and is trying to to hold on to to tradition and but at the same time love her family so she's probably my favorite well tell me about this themed event that you went to oh, this this was just a couple oh, about three weeks ago so there's a really cool event space here called the prizing house and it's it was a huge tobacco warehouse where they would prize tobacco. And I don't know what that means because I did not grow <laughs> up in Sedan. I'll just be real honest. But anyway, it's this beautiful space. And so they do weddings and meetings and all these things. And they decided to have a Downton Abbey themed 10 course meal. And they only sold, I think, 50 tickets. And so I bought one for myself and one of my best friends, Sandy, because she loves it too. But we did get dressed up. So 50 of us are at this huge table. And then they had servers that lined it. And each course, like you started, and they would the, the hostess would tell us, you know, stuff about Downton Abbey, how it related to the meal. It was really fun. You could pay extra to pair like wine with each course if you wanted to. And they had like a, a backdrop where you could take selfies and my friend and I took the funniest pictures I've ever been in. We just, we were laughing when I tried to take it. So it's like we're in front of that, of Downton Abbey, only we're laughing really hard. And then my 16 year old took it and put the Dowager Countess in the background, looking at us <laughs> with a disapproving look like she doctored. So it was great. And there was a gentleman there who was probably in his 80s. And he was originally from Canada and he got up and did a toast to the queen. Really? Like, and I looked at my friend. I was like, I'm taking him home. He's adorable. Oh, that's kind of crazy to me that there would be so much. I mean, you know, Downton Abbey was a popular show, but there would be so much interest uh-huh. in Downton Abbey in a fairly small town in Kentucky that, that they could and, have this yes. large of an event. That's kind of crazy know, to they, me. And I think people came from like several towns around us. If you told me I would go to a Downton Abbey event you know, five minutes from my house, I would have cracked up, but it was really fun. Well, Cassie, it has been a pleasure talking to you and with Riley and your book club just sounds like a great idea, a great summer activity or any type of activity. Anybody can, you know, you can do it with any age too. I wish I hadn't waited. You know, I wish I'd done it when they were younger. You can follow Cassie on Instagram at Kentucky Book Lady. 
For show notes for any episode at our website, visit www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. We are also on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod or on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover. If you like what we're doing with the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Finally, a huge thank you to Ford Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org.